0: So we're kicking off a new um, sermon series this week. Well, I won't steal your thunder. I'll let you do that. I'll let you do that. Um, but um, for many, many of you might know that Clive um, has been around uh, with Goff, um, particularly for the last kind of six months or so, um, way back when Steph was on sabbatical. I know it feels like a long time ago. Um, but while Steph was back on sabbatical, um, Clive and Goff just kind of piled in and just helped us out for those few months, meeting with leaders, um, fielding tricky questions, all of those sorts of things, um, and just really helped us, blessed us, served us so well. Um, And so I just wanted to publicly say before you, um, thank you to Clive. Um, He's become a a really dearly loved and treasured friend and affectionately known Uncle Clive. Is that right, Luke? (laughs) Uncle Clive. Um, So I'm going to pray for Clive, um, but thank you for all your love and service to us. Um, It's been a... Incredible. Lord Jesus, we thank you for this man. Lord, we thank you um, for the rich deposit of faith that you've placed inside of him. Lord, we thank you that you uh, use him mightily. And Lord, we just pray that this morning you would give us ears to hear all that you're saying through him. And Jesus, we do pray that you would, um, Lord, really, um, Lord, speak to the depths of our hearts Lord, because we know that your words are powerful. Um, and Lord, we, say, we pray that every word that Clive speaks, Lord, would be from you. Lord, that it would come straight from your heart, Lord, and that you would use them to challenge us, convict us, and transform us um, in, more into the image of your son, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.
1: Amen. Thank you, Rich. It's lovely to be back. Um, I was here a couple of weeks ago um, helping out in your Removing the Rocks in the Road series which uh, I've I've listened to. I've listened to all the um, the, the talks on this and been really blessed by them. So it's been a a brave and um, tough series to go through. But man, you are a bold lot here up in London because you are now going into the start of a new series which is uh, where it is for the faint-hearted and not for the (laughs) faint-hearted So we're going to be kicking off in the Song of Songs today. And um, it's interesting when um, Richard was just praying for me, he was saying that um, way back um, in the summer, August, uh, Steph was on sabbatical. Steph asked me if I would um, partner with him a little bit uh, through those three months. And so I remember coming up in August of last year and meeting him at Camden Lock. And we went for a long walk through down to Little Venice, that beautiful walk down by the canal. And uh, we were talking about what we were reading. And he was saying, I really feel affected by a particular book of the Bible. And I was thinking, it's funny because I'm feeling particularly affected by a particular book of the Bible as well. And I, I said, what is it? And he said... Man, it's really speaking to me during my sabbatical. It's the Song of Songs. At which point I nearly fell over because I just finished reading that wonderful commentary by Charlie Cleverly on the Song of Songs, and and I said, "Man, have you have you read Charlie Cleverly's commentary on the Song of Songs?" He said, "No, no, I, I'm reading some other book um, on the Song of Songs." And from there, really, we've arrived at today. So he was very stirred by reading that because it's a stunning little book. And he's given me the, the task. He's in Germany, isn't he? Right at this point in time. And uh, Steph next week will be speaking on how to really understand the language of the Song of Songs, how to unpack its applications, and how to really hear God through this extraordinary little book that falls open in the middle of your Bible. And my job this morning is to kickstart the series. And uh, so it's a, what I'm going to do is I'm going to go through some themes Okay, I'm not going to particularly home in on a particular verse. You've got this fabulous little book to come over this next few months. So, what I will do is I'll just set the scene today, if that's all right with you. okay? So, let's pray. We're going to need some help this morning. <laughs> this book could be taken at several levels, and uh, as we're about to find out. So, I'll just pray, uh, just as Rich has prayed, we just pray for help in our understanding of the Song of Songs. I feel it's an absolutely now book for this church. At this point in time, it's precious and special. And we ask you, Lord, to apply it to our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so um, as I said, Steph will um, concentrate on how to uh, approach the book and how to apply it to our lives. But um, um, I'm going to pick out some themes The theme that um, overarches all the other themes of the Song of Songs is three words. you ready for this? Invitation to intimacy. That's where we're headed. Now, it's intimacy at a human physical side of things in terms of human sexual love. But it's also intimacy with divine love. This is about God's love for us and our love for God and it's also about human love between a man and a woman and also I believe amongst friends but let's let's start not in the book of the song of songs let's start with that invitation to intimacy shall we so it should come up on the screen behind me this is Revelation chapter t- to 3 verse 20 and this is Jesus saying this here I am I stand at the door and knock. And if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. You are that person. You are the person that Jesus wants to sit down and eat with today. You are the person that Jesus is referring to. This is an invitation in the book of Revelation to a particular church at Ephesus It's an invitation to intimate friendship and a love relationship. You've just been invited to sit down to a meal with Jesus. How are you going to respond? This is very intimate, sharing a meal. We just had Valentine's Day. I don't know if I dare ask you, did you survive? (laughs) Did you get what you wanted? Okay, if you didn't, we're not going to go there. But there's a very interesting thing on the web at the moment. And it's a 36-question experiment. You may have noticed it. It's been carried by some of the the newspapers. Um, It's been written by a a proper academic psychologist called Arthur Aron under the title The Experimental Generation of Interpersonal Closeness. And uh, the academic wanted to see what would happen if two people sat down close to each other, looked into each other's eyes. Now, the thing is that it didn't actually matter uh, if you didn't find the person attractive, but the process of asking and answering profound questions was found to accelerate intimacy. So these 36 questions that can make you fall in love with anyone was the ambition of this psychology experiment. So it claimed that two people will feel more kindly towards each other and in time develop the emotion love by asking profound questions. And they found that uh, statistically it started to come true. Now, interestingly, of those 36 questions, I wonder if you can guess what the first question was. Do you know what it was? anyone done the test? (laughs) Don't put your hand up. (laughs) It's this. Given the choice of anyone in the world... Whom would you want as a dinner guest? And that's the start of the pathway to love. (laughs) Jesus is asking exactly the same question. He's asking question one. Will you be my dinner guest? And from that, he wants the love relationship to grow. Jesus wants your company. And it's reciprocal We think that uh, it's, uh, you know, kind of one way, me to God. But actually, the feeling is mutual. And we are so slow to let that come into our hearts that actually Jesus loves your company. Do you believe that this morning? That's why we just read Revelation 3.20 as this overarching theme, invitation to intimacy. So let's go to the song. If you've got your Bibles open, that's great because I will be flitting in and out of the different chapters. I'm giving you themes today. Steph's and future preachers are going to look in depth at the song. But today I'm just going to give you the, 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 the hit list of main ideas. If it's about anything... It's about intimacy. Now, I'm going to quote from the book that I recommended to Steph when we were walking along the Regent's Canal about eight, nine months ago. This is Charlie Cleverly's beginning of his book. He says this, At the heart of the book of books, the Bible, lies the Song of Songs, sandwiched between the sadness of Solomon in Ecclesiastes and the comfort of the coming Christ in Isaiah, This song shines like a mysterious pearl in the sea. Blink and you might miss it. So short are its four pages, its 117 verses. And yet for those who know it, it is the greatest song, the best of all songs, or simply the song of songs, the best of songs. I believe that the song is the greatest song because it deals with the most important subject in life. This is the one thing needful, the one priority that matters in this transitory life, our love relationship. We might even say love affair with the God of love. It explores an end to alienation and offers an answer to the existential ache and the yearning for connection in the heart of humankind. That's a cracking intro to any book, isn't it? And, uh, and that's why we're here today, as I said. So as you go through spring and into summer with Rev, in the Song of Songs, you're going to hit at least these four themes. Theme number one, the song is a song. Now, what do I mean by that? It's not a letter. It's not a gospel. It's not a book of the law. It's probably written to be sung at a seven-day marriage festival. The Israelite weddings lasted for about a full week. So singers and musicians would be playing all week. So worship band, you know, you sat down, you've been, you've been working hard. But man, are you going to be busy through an Israelite wedding? You're going to be playing and singing for seven days non nonstop. And each day as the bride and groom, the married couple, come out of their chamber, their marriage chamber, wine would be served and music would start, and singers would start singing. So Song of Songs, chapter 1, verse 1 says this, Let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth, for your love is better than wine. That's what the bride says to the bridegroom when she comes out of the bridal chamber for seven days in a row. And actually, uh, I'm, I'm looking at Dan now. Where are you, Dan? Dan will. Where's Dan Hater? Where are you, Not, Dan? Oh, there you are, Dan. Dan will know about French weddings. I mean, I've been to a few French weddings in my time, but it's hilarious when, uh, when, uh, when the bride and groom have got married, they will. Uh, go to a hotel room but the, the wedding party follow them and uh, they give them the first night in privacy of course but the next morning they all come barging into their room and they bring out uh, a chamber pot you know what a chamber pot is that's under the bed and they fill it full of champagne and they all come and sit on the bed with the new bride and groom who've pulled the sheets up and say what are you all doing in our room here and they drink champagne out of a chamber pot that's a classic french tradition for a for a wedding but you've got something like that here that for the next seven days day after day uh, you've got music song celebration so therefore this love poem this song is set to music we're meant to be affected by this as a song so before the applications begin begin before we say anything else let's say this that the song and its poetry stir the heart So we want your hearts to be stirred over these next few weeks. We want your imagination to be stirred. We want you to be feeling deeply invited into intimacy. Now, often the guard is up against intimacy in man-woman relationships. And certainly uh, if you've had a a, a breakup, you're saying, I vow I'm never going to get involved again. Or if you're struggling to believe that God really does, say to you look i 'm with you i 'll never forsake you, yet but lord i 'm struggling so much. this song with its poetry is meant to draw you in um, music I-, I love the arrangements for your songs. I love the way you choose funky chords for your for your um, songs so i 'm expecting different chords, but you come back at me with minor chords and different chords are, i don 't know what i 'm talking about really, but it 's different, but the music gets to me and um, if we don't have music and singing here, our hearts aren't going to be massaged. Our emotions are not going to be touched. There's something beautiful about the music and the singing. Are you with me? I've just, just done a crematorium service on Tuesday for my next door neighbor, who's not a believer. And it was a, it was a terribly difficult thing to do because it was one of those no hope goodbye at the crematorium moments and then we played the song the lark ascending by vaughan williams Uh, it's not a song it's a little violin concerto or something and the music suddenly broke hearts and what we tried to say expressing um, secular phrases didn't do it but when the music started to play man there wasn't a dry eye at the crematorium chapel do we understand that, that God is after touching your emotions through this song? Are you willing for that to happen? Are you willing to take off that kind of protective outer layer? Because this is about romance. We're going to be talking romance, romantic things for the coming weeks ahead. As I said before, this is not going to be for the, for the faint hearted. We're going to go through this door together um, I'm a bit of an opera fan. I've I've listened to opera in the open air in the amphitheater in Verona in Italy. And man, when you hear it out under um, an Italian night sky and what's not to like, you might not be an opera buff, but all music and song. My first point is this. Let the music entrance you of this beautiful book. Theme two. It's about human love in the context of marriage. Now, Jerusalem, approximately 1,000 BC, which is when this was written. So this is a 3,000-year-old poem. In Jerusalem, 1,000 years BC, it had not been affected by the sexual revolution of the 1960s. So there were two types of love when the Song of Songs was being written. There was love between a man and a woman in marriage. Love expressing itself in sexuality in marriage or there was broken sexual love or broken sexual relationship found in adultery or sex outside marriage. There were two types of love. That was it. That's what the Bible understood as either love and sex in marriage or brokenness as expressed in adultery or this word fornication, sex outside marriage. Now, The song that you're going to study these coming weeks and months is about pledged love, married love. So the song has words peppered throughout it like wedding, bride, bridegroom, seal, like, you know, a seal of wax on an envelope, permanent pledge. If you look at um, chapter 8, verse 16, it says this. Place me like a seal over your heart, like a seal in your arm. For love is as strong as death. It's jealousy unyielding as the grave. It burns like blazing fire, like a mighty flame. This is expressing the fact that this love is covenant love forever. This is permanent. This is beautiful. This is what that lovely old-fashioned wedding um, terminology says, I plight thee my troth. Do you know that wonderful old expression? To plight is to pledge. To pledge is to swear with everything in you that you will be loyal to that love. A troth was a truth. I pledge you the truth of all that I am. I'm yours forever. It's that sort of love that this song is talking about. And um, in chapter 2 verse 16, we can call that up as well. I mean, look at this language. My Beloved is mine. (laughs) Do you get the feel of this? And I am his. Total commitment in love. That's what this song's about. And so theme two, the song of songs is a literary and poetic exploration of human love that affirms commitment, loyalty, sexuality and beauty in all its variety. And there's plenty of that in the song which we will come to in a moment, but within the ethical limits of the marriage bed. You with me? And so as we go through this idea that the song is about married love, we look at the language. The lyrics, if I can call them lyrics of this song, are very candid. (laughs) You read it for yourselves in these coming weeks, if you haven't all read it. They're pretty candid, but they're not crude. They're not prudish, but nor are they immodest. The song has a beautiful balance. It has adult content, but it's teenage appropriate. It's not X rated. It's more PG. You with me? So those of you who know this, you say, well, I'm going to check that out. It has an explosive start that Steph said to me, I want to teach on that next week. <laughs> okay, so I won't, I won't talk about let him kiss me with the kisses in his mouth because that's how it explodes onto the scene. It's impulsive, emotional language from the beginning. This is the hottest book in the Bible. Can I say that? This is hot. You're meant to feel the flame. Welcome to the Song of Songs. Now, interestingly, the woman is the main speaker throughout the song. So she and the man will talk to each other throughout the song. But she talks for over 50% of the time. The guy gets to talk for over 30%. And no jokes about, guys don't joke about the women talking more than the men. But it's interesting that she is the main talker in this, okay? The daughters of Jerusalem, you'll find, appear in this song. And they play a role in this. And that's for about 15% of the time and the rest is made up by by others. The bride in the song, she could be called the Shulamite woman or Solomon's wife because this is written by Solomon, the King Solomon of the Bible. She's the star of the song. She boldly invites intimacy. She's not passive. She's not weak. She's neither silent nor shy. This woman is a class act. She wants to be kissed. Now, it's not necessarily because he's a great kisser, but because his love for her is so great. Your love is better than wine. This song is about passionate, monogamous marriage. Theme two. With me still? This is going to be fun, isn't it, over the coming weeks? But we need to say so much more. And I I will limit myself. Obviously, this is going to be extrapolated much more as as the weeks go by. But at this point, let me digress from theme two about this being about marriage. Because these are beautiful pointers to our relationship with Jesus. We don't want to be silent or shy with him. Do you remember at the beginning, we just had an invitation to sit down to a meal with him. We are to be bold, inviting the lover of our souls into our lives. So studying this little jewel of a book is going to raise lots and lots of questions for you and for me. And um, it's going to be about love, the nature of love. It's going to be about marriage. It's going to be about sexuality. And it's going to look at our deepening of our relationship with God. So we're in for some fun. And it's also going to touch upon the way you and I feel about intimacy, about self-disclosure. That's a tough one, isn't it? Do I really want to self-disclose to you? Can I trust you? Can I really be vulnerable to you? Can I really open my heart? If you know the deepest part of me, will you reject me? We're going to look at self-disclosure, opening up to love. That's going to mean people knowing about our longings. That's going to be about the things that we yearn for, but we don't want to tell people about. And yearnings for closeness to God, wanting my relationship with God to move on. These are going to be very challenging months ahead. Now, let me come to theme three. I've got four. Here's theme three. Theme three leads on from theme two about love between a man and a woman. And the theme three is about wisdom. Now, you might be surprised that I bring that up now, but it is about wisdom. This book, it is in a very real sense, a book about wisdom. This book knocks about with books like Job, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes. Song of Songs is in there as a four grouping of books which deal with practical human wisdom. Now, what do I mean by that? The book is directed at two groups of people. And I'm going to divide this room up into those two groups. The book is is addressing with wisdom the married people in the room. I won't ask you to put your hands up. And the unmarried people in the room. So you're either one or the other, okay? So you're either single or married. Now, the unmarried that the song addresses are these mysterious women called the daughters of Jerusalem. So if you know the song, it's aimed specifically at single women. So the women who consider themselves of marriageable age, the the wisdom message for this group of unmarried women, it goes something like this. The newly married bride in the song comes out of her wedding chamber after a night of passion with her new husband. And she tells the young women who are waiting to serve her with more wine, what a book, and song and music and the band's playing again. And she says this to the unmarried. She says this, and I'm paraphrasing this, wait for this, what I'm enjoying now, wait for this, It's worth it. Keep your passions under control now. Arouse them later when it's time. Patience, then passion. Uncompromised purity now. Unquenchable passion then. Now let's look at chapter 3 verse 5. Daughters of Jerusalem, I charge you. This is the bride speaking. By the gazelles and by the does of the field. Do not arouse or awaken love until it so desires. There's some wisdom, deep, deep wisdom to the unmarried. Now, this is to the girls. And guys, if you think you're getting off scot-free here now, that uh, you're, not being, you're being told to control your passions, there is another book in the Bible called Proverbs, which is chapters 5, 6, and 7. If you've ever done the ice bucket challenge, guys... There's a bucket of water being poured over you in chapters 5, 6, and 7 of Proverbs. Say, cool it, guys, until your turn comes. Okay, now, don't, guys, don't go off and look at Proverbs 5, 6, and 7 now. Stay with me in the song. But basically, the wisdom to the unmarried women is here in the song. To the unmarried men, it's in Proverbs. But that's another story. Then the second group of people that the song talks to are the married. The wisdom of the song says this. You married people, increase your intimacy. You are invited to absolute intimacy. Now, elsewhere in the Bible, it says that a man will leave his uh, family. And cleave to his wife. And they will become one flesh. Two becoming one. And the song basically is saying. I am my beloved's and he is mine. You're expressing one flesh. Now when you think one flesh. You think sexual union don't you. You think the physical act. But it is so much more than that. When you say. We are one flesh. What you're really saying is this. Nothing comes between us. So. The song says this to the marrieds amongst us this morning. Are you saying this to your husband or to your wife? Nothing comes between us. Your work is not going to come between us. Your parents' expectations are not going to come between us. The pressures of money and worries and anxiety about finances are not going to come between us. Bringing up the children or worries about the children are not going to come between us. Nothing is going to come between us. We are going to be one. You with me? That's a far bigger application. And this song is saying, I am my beloved's and my beloved is mine. We want increasing intimacy and enjoyment of the marriage as you go through the marriage years. Look at chapter 5, verse 16. This is beautiful. This is the bride talking about her husband. His mouth is sweetness itself. There's a little hint there of sexual passion. Is, is the flame is burning bright through the marriage years. He is altogether lovely. This is my beloved and this is beautiful. This is my friend. And you often hear, you know, he's my best friend. She's my best friend. Daughters of Jerusalem. So you get this in sense in 4 verse 9, chapter 4 verse 9. Uh, You've stolen my heart, my sister, my bride. This is the man speaking to the woman. With one glance of your eyes, with one jewel of your necklace, there's a sense of being overwhelmed. And, And the song says, that's to be your experience through the marriage years. So man, there's a hang on and wait, uncompromised purity and then go for it, (laughs) if I could be so blunt as to say that, in marriage. But also to the marriage, there's a tremendously wonderful sense of, come on, pour out the wine, let's get drunk on love. What a book! This is sex, wine and rock and roll, and it's it's all here for you guys to get get into. But (laughs) preach it, we're warming up. We're warming up. Preach it. Good. I'm beginning to touch you. That's great. So those three themes are extremely important. That the song is a song, that it's about human married love, but it's also about great wisdom on learning about relationships and walking through the difficulties of dating, boundaries in dating, getting to the right partner. This is all going to come up in the weeks to come. Isn't this exciting (laughs) or frightening or whatever you feel about it at the moment? But it also talks about sexuality as well. And we've got lots to talk about there in terms of perhaps struggles with sexuality. Now to my final theme. And this is the one that we will all relate to. This is not dividing this beautiful bunch of people into two camps or whatever like that. This is this, that the song explores God's great love for us and our loving response to him it also talks about us as a church together corporate responding to him so it's Christ's love for the church but it's Christ's love for the individual it's the two together so um you truly you don't need to look at this one because um, I haven't given this to you as a reference but I haven't got time to talk about Christ and the church, but in chapter 6, verse 10, if you've got your Bibles open, it says this in the song. Who is this that appears like the dawn in Camden, fair as the moon, bright as the sun, majestic as the stars in procession? That's chapter 6, verse 10. It's the church we're talking about. I haven't got time to address that. But what I will talk about now is how the song is an allegory of Christ's love for us. And I'm in good company here that it wasn't until about the 19th century that people thought, ah, this is just a song between a shepherd and a shepherdess. Ah, this is just a song between King Solomon and his favourite wife. No, no, no. For 1900 years, or before that, in fact, the church fathers have preached that this is, yes, a human love story, but it is so much more. It is an allegory of Christ's love for the church. And we're going to go down that road together. You with me? So let's say this. Every reference point in the Bible ultimately points to Jesus. All the images you read, all the metaphors, all the stories, they all bring you to the central figure of the book. And that's Jesus. So when you read about him in Isaiah, the suffering servant, you're reading about his death and suffering. When you read about him in Micah, You find out where he was prophesied to be born in Bethlehem. All through the Bible, Old and New Testament, he's hidden and sometimes he's there in plain sight. It's all about Jesus. Therefore, the Song of Songs is going to be about Jesus as well. You with me? So this imagery that we're reading in the Song of Songs, the bridegroom, we've got... We've got something of Jesus here when we're reading about him. The bridegroom loving his bride. The bride is the church. And we're being drawn into this beautiful imagery. So my point is this in theme four, that this is about God and us, is that knowing the story of Jesus opens our eyes to the song. And knowing the story of the song opens our eyes... To Jesus, You with me? So it's, it works both ways. We understand the song more when we get Jesus. And we understand Jesus more when we get the song. Um, but this is what one commentator called boldly Christological. So if you're going to do anything else in this next few weeks, you're going to study more about the love of Christ for you. Isn't that beautiful? So song chapter 1 verse 3 says this. Your name Pleasing is the fragrance of your perfumes. Your name is like perfume poured out. No wonder the young women love you. What verse does that remind you of in the New Testament? John's Gospel, chapter 12, verse 3. Mary anoints Jesus for his burial and she pours out expensive perfume upon him to anoint him for burial. And it says this. The house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. Your name is like perfume poured forth, Jesus. You're beautiful beyond description, Lord Jesus. The fragrance of your perfume fills this room. And Ephesians chapter 5 verse 2 says this. Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant Offering, this is redolent of the Song of Songs. You with me? I can, I can, can I smell that fragrance? It's the love that Christ has for us, and He wants that to be all over you, as a body of people. This is what Bernard of Clairvaux said, a 11th-century mystic. I'm just wondering if this is how you feel about Jesus this morning. Jesus, the very thought of you. Fills my heart with such sweetness, but sweeter it will be to see your face and in your presence rest. Now I'm finished. I'm nearly finished. I want to end on a poem. There's so much more I could say today. I don't want to steal Steph's thunder next week or anyone else who comes on to preach there. But I, I hope that you're being drawn into this beautiful and mysterious jewel. I want to end on a poem, which was written by George Herbert in 1663. Can we bring that up on the screen now? And this is back to where I began. Back to the invitation to sit down and eat with Jesus. Because if you remember anything from today about the song, it is an invitation to intimacy. And this is now time for us to drop our guard. And to say, Lord Jesus, I need you more than I'm admitting to myself. Lord Jesus, as we heard uh, um, last week as well, um, in Susie's talk about um, self-sufficiency, you know, just dropping the guard and being vulnerable to God. We now need to do that together right now as we read this poem. You may know this. Uh, This was written in Elizabethan language. We've got the um, modern version here. Let me just read it to you. And um, this is about God welp- welcoming us to sit down and eat. Love, in other words, Jesus, bade me welcome. My reaction, yet my soul drew back, guilty of dust and sin. But quick eyed love, quick eyed means discerning, insightful. If you love someone, you're not blind to love. Love isn't blind. Love is very aware, very aware, wants to really know you. Quick-eyed love, observing me grow slack. In other words, seeing me get down. From my first entrance in, drew nearer to me. He's chasing me, sweetly questioning if I lacked anything. A guest, I answered, worthy to be here. In other words, someone else come and sit with you to eat. I'm I'm not a worthy guest. Invite someone else, Jesus. Love said, you shall be he. I? The unkind? The ungrateful? Ah, my dear, that's me still speaking to Jesus. My dear, me to God. My dear God. My dear Jesus. Ah, my dear Jesus. I... I, I, can't, I can't look at, on thee. Love took my hand and smiling did reply, who made the eyes but I? Truth, Lord, I have marred them. I've spoilt my eyes. I've, I've spoilt the way I look at the world. I, I'm, I'm a mess. Let my shame go where it does deserve. And know you not, says love, who bore the blame? My dear, my Lord Jesus, then I will serve you. You sit down at the table. I'll serve you as you're my guest. And the poem turns it back again at the end. You must sit down, says love, and taste my meat. And meat was a big word meaning banquet in Elizabethan times. You must taste my meat. So I did sit and eat. Can you get there? Or are you holding him at arm's length? When love comes close to us, we feel shame. We feel guilt. We are frightened that when you get to know me, you'll reject me. We want to hang back. But if the song is going to do anything with you over these next few weeks and months, it's going to read you. Are you with me? You're not going to read it, it's going to read you. Do you know what I mean by that? So that when you sometimes when you're reading a scripture and you think, oh my goodness, it's looking right into my soul. And I'm thinking, no, stop reading me, Bible. You know me. Oh, you got right between joint and marrow. This, this song wants to read you. Because Jesus wants you as his dinner guest. He wants you as, as his beloved, beloved friend. And love won't accept anything else. Love is jealous. And we have a very, very jealous God here this morning who wants to you to be betrothed to him. He's pledged his love already to you at Calvary. He can't give you anything more. He's given everything. He has given his blood. He has given his clothes. He's naked on the cross. He's given away his reputation. He's given away everything that he could possibly give. And he still loves you. And he's got nothing more he can give you other than himself. In the face of such love, we must make our response. And the song is inviting us through these next weeks to do that. Amen. Shall we stand together? Can I ask the guys and girls to come back? i'd like us to um respond to the challenge of these astonishing verses there's nothing like this book anywhere else in the bible the psalms get a bit close at times but there's no language like this stuff anywhere else in the bible and therefore we take it very seriously here's a little um clip from the old-fashioned marriage service I take you to be my wedded husband or wife, to have and to hold from this day forward, for better or worse, richer or poorer, in sickness and in health, to love and to cherish till death us do part, according to God's holy ordinance. And thereto I plight thee my troth. I have forsaken all others and will cleave only unto thee. And in a beautiful way, Jesus has just said that to you afresh. Your mind to have and to hold, your mind in the better and the worse in your circumstances. If you're going through rich times, poor times, if you're sick or in good health, I love and cherish you. And my death parted me from you for three days, but even then it didn't part me from you because what the Trinity was working on the cross. And according to God's holy ordinance, I have plighted thee my troth, (laughs) says Jesus to you in Elizabethan language this morning. Isn't that beautiful? And he has forsaken all others for you. In other words, we want to say the same to him. I forsake all other loves, Lord, that would that would be idols in my life, and I want only you. Lord Jesus, help us now. We're praying now for help, big, big help. We're asking you, Lord, to uh, come in on every word spoken over these next few months and uh, and, and help us, because this is going to stir some beautiful things, but it's going to stir some difficult things as well. And we're not, we're not blind to that, Lord. We, we, you, this is going to touch the deepest part of us, uh, our identity, our sexuality, but it's also going to touch the way we feel Feel about you, Lord, and it's going to break new ground. And Lord, we really need help. But we love—I love the boldness of this church to go down that road, to want all or nothing. It's like that kind of purity of motive. I love it. You, I love your, your your ambition. So, Lord, lay that ambitious spirit on us right now, that we will journey this with you, that we will go through all the doors that you open up to us. Lord, come and help us now. I just pray for the settling of hearts. If this is, uh, some of this has been difficult to receive, maybe, or if there's been a longing that this has stirred or a yearning that you feel, oh, God, don't let these yearnings stir in me again, because I'm disappointed in these very areas. Lord, put your healing balm on those people right now. Come, Holy Spirit. Come and just come and bring your oil, the, the honey of your love. Let that honey the sweetness of your love, bathe any wounds right now. But Lord, we pray that we are brave to go through the door of intimacy and sit down and, inv- and say, Lord, please serve me. I can't believe I'm asking the king of the universe to serve me. This is crackers. But it is so beautiful. It's so, it's so It rings true in every way. And that's what my heart leaps for, Lord. I want that. I want, I want to know you as much as I possibly can before I see the sweetness of your face. So help us, Lord, in these coming weeks. In the, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, who've loved each other from eternity, may we all enter into this joy that the Trinity has been experiencing from before worlds were made. Amen and hallelujah. Help us, Lord. Amen.